Well, let's get started. Welcome to the Orton Family Foundation's Heart and Soul Talks Conference Call Series, when we focus on key tools and solutions aimed at building better communities through empowering residents to plan their future, based on what matters most to them. Community Heart and Soul is the Orton Family Foundation's signature community development and planning methodology. My name is Fran Stoddard, and today we'll focus on how Orton's Community Heart and Soul approach incorporates story to illuminate a community's history, priorities, and aspirations, and how those stories can enable residents to better understand each other and drive local decision-making. Guests today are Elise Montez-Griego, Orton's Director of Programs, Leanne Tingay, Senior Associate of Programs, and Gabrielle Smith is also with us from the Orton Family Foundation. And guests today include El Elaine Brett, Project Coordinator for the Community Heart and Soul Project in the North Fork Valley of Colorado, and Holly Andrews, Executive Director of Framingham Downtown Renaissance, and former intern with Biddeford, Maine's Heart and Soul Project. So I want to especially welcome Holly and Elaine. How are you doing? Great. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Oh, they are perfect. Okay. Since we have nearly 200 registered folks today, we are putting everybody on mute. We've just done that to keep the audio as clean as possible. In your email is a link to our Google document, a shared online document for note-taking and questions so you can interact with us. You can open that document in your browser to follow along as Orton's Leslie Wright takes notes. These notes will be proofed and refined after the call, providing a great resource for you in the future. You can also add your own comments or questions to the document at any time. It's a good idea to skim through these now to see the questions that have already come in to avoid redundancy. We'll leave this document up after the call also for your continued input and reference. And then in a few days, we'll be sending links to the call notes and the podcast to all participants. Since the Google Doc can only handle 50 people as active, active document editors at a time, if you aren't adding to the document by using the edit button, by the way, please close out and reopen the doc in the read-only mode. If you're having trouble with the Google Doc during the call, Clicking the refresh button usually takes care of the problem. But if you are having any technical um, issues, you can email um, Eric Blair at it's communications at Orton.org. That's communications at Orton.org. But please send your questions or comments. Enter them right into the Google Doc. Um, so on to storytelling. Uh, Elise Montez-Griego is Orton's Director of Programs. Nationally recognized in the field, Elise served as project manager for several towns through the development of Community Heart and Soul. Elise has been key in the development of the method as well as in the content and creation of the Heart and Soul Field Guide. She has had surgery recently, so we have somebody backing her up just in case, but it sounds like Elise is interested in uh, doing her own introductory uh, comments, and we are delighted. Elise, welcome and know that we have both Leanne and Gabrielle here to back you up with your script in case that's needed. Go ahead, Elise. Thank you, Fran, and hello to everyone on the line. Um, I'll just jump right in because I think I want to definitely save time for questions at the end um, and to hear from Elaine and Holly, who I know their part is very insightful. Um, so storytelling is a vital and fundamental part of the engagement process in community heart and soul. And it's through the process of gathering and sharing stories that a community creates a new narrative for itself 
that's really built around what's cherished and loved. And because stories reveal what we care about, our history, where we've been, where we hope to go, they actually reveal our common ground. And because everyone has an experience about life in their community, stories allow everyone an entry point to sharing their perspectives or ideas. So make sure you design your story gathering efforts around the people you're seeking to engage. Make sharing um, stories safe, make it easy, um, because this is where you'll begin to talk with and learn about people that you don't know. And you'll actually begin to build trust in the community through this. We use the term storytelling loosely because we don't mean it to include all forms of sharing information, um, or we mean it to include all forms of sharing information. So even like light touch things like surveys or window graffiti or comment cards, but also more in-depth ways like written or audio form or even video stories collected that can be shared in person. We think of this as a range of thin to thick engagement. So from a low investment of time and trust, like writing one place you love in your town on a banner, to higher levels, like participating in a one or two hour facilitated neighborhood conversation where you have more personal interaction with others. So different from other processes though, in Community Heart and Soul, stories are used not only to collect data, but to also build relationships. In your heart and soul work, all stories must be honored and meaning um, that stories are listened to because they all offer valuable insight into the personal and really the emotional connections to your town. In Community Heart and Soul, it's important to show everyone that their story matters, that their input makes a difference, and that their voice is part of a larger narrative. We've learned that to do this best, you need to have many people, even strive to have the whole community, look at and listen to the stories gathered in this process. And the power of learning what so many people care about through storytelling and story listening, that can't be overestimated. Because it forges new relationships, we've seen it bridge divides, we've seen how it builds trust and it sparks novel solutions by uncovering new leaders and also starting new partnerships. And because there's so much diversity in every community, be ready to capture stories in many forms, as I just mentioned. For example, a low-tech option is like a traveling journal, which could be as simple as a spiral-bound notebook for residents to write what they love or what they would change in the community, and they pass it to their neighbor. And that can make its way through a hard-to-reach neighborhood. Or you could have high-tech options with online stories, with wikis or iNeighbors, a site that was used by one of our towns. Because storytelling includes story listening, we know that one of the most impactful ways of listening is through stories that were video recorded. And when people have the chance to see the face of and even hear what their fellow residents are saying, there's something special that happens, something very human that connects us to, to each other in a real deep way that begins to mend or even build bridges in the community. And telling and hearing stories ignites compassion, understanding, and a sense of belonging. And so whether you collect a few dozen of stories from one part of town and have them heard by others in another part, or whether you host a community-wide celebration where everyone hears like a compilation of those stories, make sure you're intentional about people um, hearing stories from those that they don't normally interact with. For example, like in Golden, Colorado, people on the north were more white-collar, um, and they rarely interacted or engaged with people on the south side, which were more blue-collar residents. And it was during the heart and soul process we heard People from both the North and South begin to advocate for each other and ultimately sounded more like a whole community. 
So you're going to hear from um, Elaine and Holly, and you're going to hear stories about how um, storytelling promotes greater understanding about the community and about each other, and how stories draw in new voices, and often those that are underrepresented, because they offer stories, offer an entry point into a community process, and that, that, that entry point is more approachable and more accessible. And finally, you'll hear, you'll hear their stories about how that's brought about community change um, and how the act of telling your story and feeling heard is a really powerful thing and how hearing from others um, can inspire great collective actions in the community. Okay, thank you so much, Elise. Um, and actually, while I've got you, can you explain what window graffiti is? There, it, it, yeah. it sounds like it, <laughs> like maybe yeah. wonderful, maybe not. Sure. And um, so you can find empty storefronts, and they sell these special markers that can wipe off of window and glass fairly easily. And you can make markers available for people to write comments on windows. Um, Elaine can elaborate. They actually did that down in the North Fork Valley um, in their city hall windows and we're okay. able to collect some information from people and stories that way. Great. I, I love how many varied ways there are to collect stories. Thank you so much, Elise, for kind of setting us up about how this works um, in community heart and soul. And so now we'll concentrate on examples from folks who have used this method in their towns in both Colorado and in Maine. First up, Elaine Brett is the former project coordinator for the Community Heart and Soul Project in the North Fork Valley, which includes the towns of Paonia, Hotchkiss, and Crawford, Colorado. Brett worked close, closely with an innovative program called Pass the Mic, in which youth interviewed residents to learn more about local industry and report on the valley's values. Elaine continues to serve her community by working with local organizations that support agriculture, the arts, and philanthropy. Elaine, it's so great to have you with us. Go ahead. Hey, it's great to be back on a call with the Orton Foundation, and, um, and uh, welcome everybody who's on the call. Uh, great to hear there's so many people interested in this, in this work. Um, I, I guess I, we're going to break my um, discussion down into, into three parts, and, and hopefully I can cram all this in but have time for questions. Um, we're, we're in a very small, uh, sparsely populated area of Colorado, and uh, it was a very interesting process in reaching out to people and, and trying to gather the information and using stories as, as a, an approach to do that. Um, I myself am an organization development consultant, so I think in process and in terms of, of what I'd like to share today, um, I'm going to break it into three pieces. Uh, first is, is preparation. Uh, the second is listening and reflection, and I'll give some examples of, of how we did that. And then uh, putting it all together, I saw that quite a few people had questions about how to handle the data and how to uh, uh, what to do with it once you once you had all this information. And I'll give a few comments on that. Um, so first part, in, in terms of preparation for the storytelling and story listening uh, effort, um, a couple of quick, quick things. And I think these these parallel somewhat what Elise uh, has said. Um, the first thing I would suggest is know your purpose. Um, why are you doing this? Um, are you gathering statements uh, to try to uh, identify the community values of your community? Um, are you trying to bridge gaps? Uh, why are you going after this? And that will help you to scope um, the next steps of, of what are the right questions to ask and what are the right words to use. Uh, very early on in our efforts, we, we, went, we went about talking about community values and found that that was a very kind of off-putting um, uh, 
term to use with people, and it, it seemed to hit at some very personal levels. And, and actually, our, our community was the one that, that started using the phrase, what matters most, and asking the questions, what matters most to you about your community? If you don't put the about your community into the question, you'll get all kinds of stories about individuals and families which are wonderful and entertaining, but may not get to the uh, the end that you're looking for, which is about the community. So um, our main question for, for getting people started was, what matters most to you about the community that you live in? Um, and uh, and then you can go deeper from there and, and ask follow-up questions. Um, and one of the things that I'll talk about in my examples is, is also um, the third thing about preparation is pick an appropriate place. Uh, we ended up going out to people and going where they were, and it was very much more effective than you know, setting up a meeting and asking them to come to a town hall or something. Um, and so being in an appropriate place where people are comfortable and, and, and where they can share uh, their information, um, I think are, those, those three things are very important in terms of preparation. Um, the second piece, uh, some examples, and I really want to focus on the listening piece of this, listening and reflection uh, on, the, on what you're hearing from people in the community. Um, all too often in our heads, we're already thinking what the next answer is, and we're, we're putting our own stuff in it. And from my perspective, as an organization development consultant, listening becomes so important and being neutral about what you're, what you're listening to, not trying to put your ideas, but really trying to capture and gather uh, what the community has to offer. Uh, so we did, we did a number of different um, approaches, and some of these you'll see on the North Fork Heart Soul website. Um, the one that at um, least um, mentioned, the Pass the Mic, uh, was really a wonderful collaboration with our local radio station. And it involved children, it involved kids uh, in the interview process. And with this, there were many layers that, that came out. Uh, the kids actually were involved in, in a sort of journalism program. They were given the tools. They were, they were taught uh, how to ask questions. They were taught how to use recorders and cameras. And they went out on the streets, and they went into people's places of business, and they went out to the farms, and they, they asked the questions that were important to them. So through Pass the Mic, we learned uh, a lot of things. We learned um, what and who are important to the kids of our valley. And we felt that was extremely important because they're the future, and we need to listen to the children. We need to listen to what they have to say and what their stories are. Um, the kids would ask questions that adults wouldn't touch. And um, it made it really fun. And they, they, could, they could go up to somebody and... Uh, things that we as adults would be inhibited or embarrassed to ask, the kids would just blur them out and they would get, they would get amazing answers. So, so that, that dialogue was, was really good. And, and they also bridge the age and social gaps that, uh, some, some of us as adults get very hung up in. And, uh, they, they created uh, some very nice bridging, uh, with, with older, older people in the community and, and other, uh, people from other social areas. So the past mic thing was really cool. Again, there are some videos and some audio things on the website. Um, it was used um, on the radio. Um, our local community radio station featured past the mic many times, so it got back out to the community in that way. And then we also uh, had uh, some events at our local theater where the video was used and the kids got to, to share uh, the stories that they gathered from people in the community. 
And uh, that was a nice way of putting the information back out that the community could reflect on. So that's past the mic. Um, a couple of other things, and I'll go kind of quickly on these, and if anybody has any other questions, I can I can certainly address them. Um, when I said that we, we decided after a little while into the project to meet people where they are, uh, we created a, a, a project called a Slice of the Pie and went out to um, service groups, churches, went to events, and we brought, we really did bring pie. Um, and we, we talked with people in a setting and uh, shared uh, some, some wonderful pies made by local uh, chefs and um, had the conversation around the food and in a comfortable place where, where people felt good about where they were. So we met with the local ladies Methodist church group and, uh, and with the Lions Club and, uh, and, and met them in their own peer group and met them where they were. And that, um, again, generated some very rich discussions and some really great uh, perspectives about what mattered most to those people and their community. Um, we also uh, used um, we used uh, a lot of written word. We did surveys, especially in our last phase of validating the community values. We sent surveys out, uh, had them had them spread uh, from a variety of means. Got very very inf good information. Don't don't pass up getting written information. All of the introverts out there that don't want to speak in public will write it down, and they'll give you some very good stuff um, if you use surveys and if you use these other means. Uh, we also had a fun project at the local brewery, uh, talk about going to a, a, a place where people met, um, and we had people write down what was important about their community, what mattered most on uh, coasters. Uh, that uh, were distributed at the local brewery, and then we posted those up on a bulletin board and, and got some really amazing comments from um, uh, from uh, those folks uh, on those little co uh, coaster cards. Um, and the last thing I'll just say on, on the uh, examples is that we used a lot of visuals, and especially visuals like uh, historic pictures of the community. Uh, those we found very important to stimulate conversation, particularly with the seniors of the community, people who had lived here a long time, people who had memories, people who uh, could could really get to the, the roots of, of what was important to this uh, community, to the heritage and traditions. And the use of those pictures became uh, just a great way to stimulate the conversation and to, to have them uh, reflect on, on the past and, and on what they wanted to see for the community. Um, I, I've got many, many more examples, but those are the ones that I just picked for this call and, and uh, hope those are helpful as examples. Uh, putting all the data together is a real challenge for any community. Uh, we have thousands and thousands of quotes, thousands of, of pieces of data, pieces of information. Uh, some of it was very valuable. Some of it was fluff. Some of it was interesting. Uh, we made audio and video recordings of a lot of our conversations. Uh, we used written surveys, as I mentioned, and we did a ranking of the values. Uh, we used public art. Uh, we had children, we had adults doing public art uh, in, at events, um, uh, on windows, and in a lot of different places. We had many, many notes, um, and we had people enter through the website and through other social media. So as you can imagine, there's just this, this really mass of information. Um, and in trying to analyze it and trying to put it together, it's really messy, and plan on it being very messy. It's um, it, it's, uh, it's it's all good stuff, but 
uh, trying, trying to get it together and make sense out of it is a messy process. Um, we depended on spreadsheets, um, post-it notes. We had a, um office space, um, and what I'd call a war room where we just filled the walls with quotes and, and items and issues and, uh, over time categorized and collated all of these into, uh, something that was manageable and something that helped define, uh, the, the values, the five values that we put out back to the community. Uh, and, uh, we tried to keep great quotes and use those to reflect back to the community to demonstrate that we were listening and that people said um, important things to us. Um, and the, the last thing about that is just to emphasize to stay neutral. It's about them. It's not about you. It's not about your personal preferences. It's about gathering and truly listening to the community. And um, I knew that we were successful in doing that when we started being accused by one group of being too conservative um, and, and politically on the conservative side, and then by another group in the community, we were accused of being too liberal and too much on the liberal side. So uh, I felt that we were truly listening and reflecting um, all aspects of the community when we were starting to get that kind of feedback from the community. Great. Great, Elaine. Well, I think you've covered so many aspects of storytelling and, and how it works. So thanks for putting all of that in context, including how to take all of this information and be and start to make sense of it um, mm -hmm. and make use of it. Um, I'd like to go on with Holly. We'll come back with questions, and there will probably be more about uh, – we'll talk more about uh, data and, and how to deal with all the data. So thank you so much for giving us a, a heads-up about that aspect, Elaine, uh, among all the other story-gathering processes that you guys did in Colorado. Um, so on to Holly Andrews. She was an intern with the Heart of Biddeford in Maine, where she helped develop a youth engagement curriculum and supported other storytelling efforts, including developing a storytelling-based tour of downtown Biddeford that invited residents to record their stories at heart spots at key locations. Andrews is now Executive Director of Framingham Downtown Renaissance in Massachusetts, where I think you're probably doing a little bit of this even in your current job, Holly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I use all kinds of uh, storytelling and uh, touring the downtown and getting people's stories out there to really um, encourage and influence our local decision makers and our uh, powers that be in the local government to um, really take to heart their jobs and how their jobs impact these uh, our local people in the downtown. So I'm very glad for my experience with the Heart and Soul. <laughs> Great. So you can go, go ahead and tell us about what you did with Heart and Soul. Awesome. Hey, everybody. I'm thrilled to have this opportunity to talk to you today about this. It's just it's some of the work that I am proudest of um, and feel that I, I'm just thrilled to share it with you. So I hope you're psyched to get doing this in your community. And if you're doing it in your community, I imagine that you are, you're, you're just loving your job and loving the work that you're doing and feeling like it's as relevant as it could possibly be. Um, and good for you. Um, I'm just going to talk to you. There are tons of things I could talk to you about today, but I'm just going to narrow it down to three um, because I think that'll be simpler and clear, and uh, I won't. I don't want to bore you to death. Um, but it's, I'm going to talk to you quickly about digital stories, um, a, a high school curriculum called Learn Local, and the tour that uh, was just mentioned called Heart Spots. 
And you can ask me questions afterwards if you want to, or you can feel free to email me. I'm wicked busy, but I will do my best to uh, be present for you because I, I want you to have a great experience if you use any of these techniques. So first is digital storytelling, um, and you probably know what this is. It sounds like what, I, what it's called. It's a process that we use for gathering stories and preserving a multimedia snapshot of downtown Biddeford. I think that that's key, just having this multimedia snapshot that you can share um, in the days and years to come. Um, it was a way to capture and share stories from people that have memories from the old days, the, you know, back in the day, as they like to say, to um, the people that go to downtown now um, during the time when it was at the at the beginning of revitalization, the issues, the hopes, the wishes. It's just a great snapshot to to have, um, and, and and it really illuminated. As you know, what makes your downtown, what made our downtown special and interesting and one of a kind. It's a multimedia method. It combines photographs, video, audio, and artwork into four or five minute pieces. Um, and what we did was we actually used digital storytelling to create a high school curriculum, which I will tell you about in a moment. Um, but also, we used it to um, we, we created a fellowship with a local uh, an institute for documentary studies. It was called Salt Institute for Documentary Studies, and it was a secondary. It was a you know a postgraduate school where um, people went to learn how to do audio and photography and create video. So we were able to use digital storytelling. Um, both with people that were really experienced to go out and capture quality snippets of life and connections to downtown Biddeford um, and create a long 40-minute video called Heartworks. Um, and then we were also able to uh, create a curriculum where we had young people who, you know, are really savvy with using technology to go out and create digital stories of their grandparents, their elders, their family friends, or even their friends now, um, to, to see Biddeford, downtown Biddeford, through their eyes and through the eyes of elders, the way it used to be when it was in its heyday, um, and to really help to guide a vision for the future based on not only the way things were when it was exciting, but by looking at the assets that we had now and, uh, and what we could build on and, and build a pro uh, an, an idea of what could be. So that's quickly what digital storytelling is. I have all kinds of online um, resources for you to see what the students created, um, what the SALT Institute for Documentary Study, uh, Documentary Fellows created, um, and how you might do something similar in your place if you're interested in doing that. And of course, we have stuff up on YouTube, so it's easy to access. We've got the we've got the links for you. You can get it anywhere. Um, the second thing I would like to talk to you about is the high school curriculum I alluded to. It's called Learn Local, um, and we actually I during grad school I created an online resource with the uh, collaborating with the Orton Family Foundation and the high school the high school teacher that I worked with to create this curriculum, Carolyn Gosselin from Biddeford High School. Um, you can go on and check it out. It's learnlocal.net, and it really tells the story of this curriculum that emerged. Um, but 
it's a four-phase high school curriculum that it came about when I was working uh, with Carolyn from Biddeford High School and the students. We saw an opportunity to use digital storytelling as the basis for an interesting classroom platform. Um, and by adhering the projects to the theme of downtown Biddeford's revitalization, we were able to incorporate literary reviews, local values, um, civic engagement, and how to make a difference into this curriculum that um, it produced far-reaching results. Um, you know, from the beginning, the students at Biddeford High School were instrumental to the downtown planning project and gathering stories. Um, they held their own community meetings. They provided ideas and input for the future of Biddeford's downtown. And even now, that curriculum lives on, and they continue to scour every corner of the city, listening to stories from all of its diverse communities. And each academic new year, there's a new layer added onto the curriculum, new input that's generated uh, by a new graduating class. And the voice of Biddeford's youth just gets stronger all the time. Um, so this has really been an exciting, it's a four-phase uh, curriculum that includes everything from gathering stories to harvesting values and learning about local values and hearing them in the stories that they gathered um, to really developing their own sense of place, um, going to community meetings where local decisions are, are shaping a master plan and really feeling confident about what's going on, what the HeartWorks project is, and really having valuable input to, 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 to you know, provide so that young people had a voice in these, in these gatherings. Um, so that is something, like I said, that's online and you can check it out there. And love to answer any questions that you have. But we even have a manual with handouts and the, the whole nine yards. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, and it, and it really worked to engage young people and get them excited about what a downtown is, what their downtown could be. Um, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Holly. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but didn't that um, become uh, eventually a museum was opened, right? Because of a lot of those stories that were told and wanted to be gathered. You know what? I'm glad to hear that because you know I'm I'm not with that project anymore, and I'm 24/7 yeah. in Framingham, Massachusetts. So I I'm so happy to hear that that's yeah. that's happened. The Mill Museum, which which really was inspired by the stories from the kids interviewing their elders and everything that happened there. So. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt a, a final thought of yours? No, no. I'm on. I'm, I'm, that's a great way to punctuate that. I am so it's, – it's wonderful. Thank you for, for putting that on, that, that – that, uh, what is – There you go. Like, so, so anyway, the third thing I am going to talk to you about is heart spots. And this was kind of a cool, fun locational exercise. Um, and that it, you know, it, it, it closely follows the Murmur Project in Toronto. So that's another resource that you can check in. I noticed it was on the list of resources, and I suggest you do that because it was really, really a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, during the first phase, we had storytelling, story gathering, the Salt Institute fellows are out with their cool equipment, and then, of course, our beautiful students were out 
connecting with their family members, and we've got this huge body of, of you know, digital stories. Um, and one of the things that we found that kept coming up over and over again in these stories as we began to harvest values from them and listen to them and digest them and get the the understanding of what the what the core local values were for Biddeford and what was most important to people in Biddeford, um, we kept hearing these spots, these these places in downtown mentioned over and over again. So what we did was we got boards and we painted them really pretty. We put a, a heart on them with a number. We called them heart spots. And they had a phone number on them. And there was a phone number that you could call and leave your own message, uh, your own story about that place. Um, and it was it was really, really successful. Uh, the, the recorded story would be forwarded as an MP3 file and automatically sent to our emails. And then we could use them to either incorporate them in video, the digital stories, um, as well as just pass them along to our contact list. And, oh, we got a news story at one of the heart spots. And people loved it. Um, it was a great way to get, you know, new voices into the mix, to draw new people into the project, gather information about what people value in the city, and to celebrate the city's past and present. Uh, and it was fun. I mean, of course, people talked about, you know, the Puritan restaurant in the local city theater where they had their first date, or the Tribune building where paper boys gathered each morning to get their the daily issues to, to deliver. Um, and then Riley's Bakery and the bag of crumbs for a dime. I mean, we learned so much. I learned so much about Biddeford through those little heart spot stories that people just call these little snippets. And they adored doing it. And it was, it was just, it was a lot of fun and it was real time. And um, so it was really exciting. Um, so those are my three things that I really wanted to share with you. Incidentally, the city of Biddeford, um, from what I've seen, it's been mentioned in the Boston Globe and uh, some of the local papers that I've been able to catch stories about it. It's, it's just doing so well. Um, they've really done a great job on capitalizing capitalizing on the assets of the city of Biddeford, downtown Biddeford. And I think also it's because of the stories. I think they were really able to understand and discern what people held dear, what was really important to protect, um, and um, and then how they could carry that onto the future. And they've, they've really done that. And so, anyway, good for you. I see that happening for all of you, and I'm happy to answer any of your questions and get more in-depth. Terrific, Holly. Thank you so much. And yes, I think Biddeford is just on fire. It's it's amazing to see what happened, and uh, much of it was was sparked by all of this storytelling. So, thank you so much for sharing um, all that you did to make that happen. Uh, so, I'd like to get on to the questions, and also make note that uh, the note taking on the Google Doc. Um, somebody's helping us out by putting a lot of notes at the top of the document. Know that Leslie is also putting them underneath under call notes so we'll we'll merge those two together but you might want to those people that are um, entering uh, comments and uh, notes at the top of the document might want to go down and see that some of that is also being done simultaneously so let's get on to some questions uh, one the, the first question that came in from Lynn from uh, Connecticut was how can the stories that articulate people tell enable others less used to talking to tell their own story. So is there, do you have to be articulate um, 
to be part of the storytelling. Elise, do you want to take a first stab at that? Sure. Um, and I would just say that everyone has a story. And so I think in our culture, we think of storytelling as being stories that are only that of which is remarkable. But um, stories in heart and soul, everyone has a story. Everyone has an experience and a perspective or an idea that they can share from um, their experience living in their community. And so just as uh, varied as all the methods that were described today and even more that are out there, um, there's so many different approaches to gathering input and stories from people that it doesn't need to be the professional, polished up, traditional, like, storytelling story that you hear from somebody that's professional. So um, I would say, um, as we heard today, like, all stories are valuable, so collect them in any way that you can. Sure. Um, Elaine, I'm sure you, you heard stories from all types sure. of people. Actually, both of you did. Um, what was your experience about the uh, experienced storyteller versus just anybody? Yeah, well, I, I think it's um, it's more about the listening than the telling. Mm. Um, okay. And if you as the listener um, pay attention to someone, um, you know, equally, uh, that that um, and there are certain people that just it takes them more time uh, it, it, to formulate ideas and some of them go in a roundabout way and, and it just, it's all about the listening. Um, and unfortunately, we tend to listen to those people who are exciting or, or more articulate or more professional or whatever. But um, I think the message is just take time to listen to um, simple folks and, and people who need, uh, they, they do want to express themselves. And, and when you ask them what's important to them, sometimes nobody's ever asked them that question before. What really matters to you about your community? Nobody's ever asked them that. And um, and the listening side, it's amazing when you when you sit back and listen how much will come out. And just to follow up, um, Sersha from Colorado uh, wants to, you know, is this a valid way to gather data? Um, and, and how do you um, help overcome the notion that this is not a valid way to do that? Did you have that issue? Oh, Elaine, well, I, and then, uh, and then I'll go to Holly. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, and people also are very confused. So, you know, here we were going and doing this community project and we're asking for stories. What's, what's up with that? Um, and they, that, um, that I think, you know, really until we started pulling things together, pulling ideas together, and reflecting them back out as a community, did the people start to see that there was something there? Um, I, I think one of the things that is important is to, to make sure it's visible that you're collecting the data, uh, that it's not just not just going nowhere, that you, you're, you're listening, you're taking it down, people are being heard, um, and it's important for people to be heard, and then they, you know, they'll, they'll realize that, that it, something's going to happen with it. Um, and it's, um, as I said before, it's a messy process, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not about so much the, the analysis and facts and data uh, right at the get-go, but it's how that accumulates and reflects back to people. And I think, I think the reflection, if you can take it even, you know, at different points in time um, and, and push it back out, that people will see that, um, that there is some validity to it and that, um, uh, that, that something is going to come out of it. We, we also, one of the things we had in terms of the validity of it is that people, when we did come up with the values, they said, oh, yeah, we knew that. Um, <laughs> that there wasn't anything astounding, per se, 
You know, people knew that they loved their small town. People knew that they loved the, the rural nature of it. People knew that, but the expression of it, um, it wasn't, you know, some enlightened thing, but it, it was an expression. And I think the people who have benefited the most from that are people from outside the community who now come here and say, wow, you guys really have it together. You know what you want and you know who you are. And it's been a real plus in follow-up work in um, uh, both local and county and, and regional um, uh, uh, looks at, at the community and looks at, at uh, advancement in the community. Right. I'd like to wait on that. Yeah, go ahead, Elise. Go ahead. No, this is Holly. Oh, I'm sorry, Holly. Yeah, please. Um, so, yes, I, I agree a lot with Elaine. And um, one of the things that I would like to say is when you're going out and you're gathering stories, and especially when you have young people doing it, there is that connection that you guys talk about that that happens. Um, um, but you're right. How do you? And this is something that we grappled with. How do you bridge the gap between you know this great opportunity to, for people to tell a story to getting data from it, and then and making it uh, the type of data that the, that that local decision makers will take seriously? And what we were able to do was. Uh, and I think Elaine just touched on that. We were able to, through the digital storytelling phase, we were able to digest and harvest what the local values were and the five things that were most important to people in Biddeford about downtown Framingham. Um, and then we created what was called Meeting in a Box, and we trained local community leaders to go out into their community, have uh, living room conversations, community conversations where people weren't grandstanded and were able to weigh in, say, well, this is, you know, so, so the meeting would be held in this way. The local community leader who had been trained by us in a workshop would go out with a handout that had five local uh, uh, things that were most important or things that people felt about downtown Biddeford um, and their local values. And we were able to ask at this very local level through community leaders without any of us influencing or any decision makers influencing, asking them to weigh in and say, do you agree with this list? Would you add to it? Would you disagree with anything on the list? And then use that to even bring more input from them on what – what they want downtown, what are the things that they are hoping for downtown, what would they protect, and what is missing from the mix. This way it was localized. We created local data that was always different because every community has different needs, different hopes and wishes. Um, but then not only in that list of all these different needs and hopes and wishes, we had validation for that list, the, the values that we were able to digest from the stories. And when you have that broad brush um, um, validation and all of that input, that really makes local decision makers wake up and, and think about this as data that they can use to shape a master plan because those are their constituents. Terrific. Thank you so much, Holly. Could, 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 I just, could I just add one more thing? Um, uh, and that, that's that what we that we tried to collect as much demographic information as we could, and um, and and to reflect back um, who was speaking. So if people challenged us and said, "Oh, it's just you newcomers," that's not, that's all we're talking here. Um, we had the data that we we could say, "No, no, here's." You know, we talked to coal miners, we talked to farmers, we talked to young people, we talked to old people, we talked to people at churches, and we we had that information so that we could 
uh, support uh, the comments with the demographics that we, we collected. And we paralleled that with um, the county demographics, uh, the official, if you will, um, census information and whatnot, and, and tried to show people that we did, we did get a valid um, uh, slice of the community in, in the comments that we had. And we, we tended to err on, on, on certain areas, and then we'd go out and, and find people to make sure that we were getting a balanced uh, representation. And, and I think that's a good way to, to present to people, and particularly when you're presenting to um, uh, local government and, and decision makers that, yeah, you know, maybe it wasn't a perfect uh, statistical study, but it was pretty darn good, and here's why. Terrific. Really important point. Thank you so much, Elaine. Um, I'm going to backtrack out of out of data and validation back to gathering um, where Darren from Colorado uh, wants to know, how could this be adapted for an open space planning process? So I um, I assume this is kind of an open room situation. Uh, what are what are some things if, if uh, for open um, space planning process? How could you use storytelling, please? Well, and I think um, Holly and, and Elaine probably have some more field examples. But I think in terms of doing storytelling in an open space process, and where you kind of got an open area, you can use World Cafe kind of format. You can even do group storytelling. You could do paired storytelling. You could even do what we call triad, which is sort of jargony, but where you have two people telling a story to each other and a third person writing down what they hear um, being captured. Um, so I don't know if Elaine or uh, Holly, if you guys have anything to add on that. Well, I'd, I'd just like to ask if that's uh, whoever asked the question, if that's what they're looking for. Are you looking for, right. you know, an open space project in a town, you know, creating a space for the community? or open space approach to the process of collecting stories. And, and maybe Darren can uh, write in the Google Doc which he's after, and we can even um, write in. People can add to this doc. That's, that's what's so wonderful about this. Um, if we didn't quite get it right, people can add their answers to that um, at a later time. So, um, Darren, please add to that question, and or um, I'm sure that other people will also um, add their thoughts there. Because we're... Um, well, it's it's already after quarter of the hour. I'm going to move on with some other questions. There are a lot of questions about data, and uh, among them, what software do you use to process the data? Is it open source and free? E Elaine, what what kind of did you use special data software? Do you consider Post-it notes software? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does it have to be complicated, or or can't? Is right. it, it's pretty straightforward. Um, we we did uh, we we tried to collect things in we used uh, Excel spreadsheets. Um, There's nothing really you know we were, we were inventing kind of as we went along, uh, but we did spreadsheet a lot of things and and we could manipulate it and categorize and and do things with that. Um, and and really the, a lot of it was a very physically dynamic process of sticky notes on a wall and um, it. It's a great way to interact with it. You know, sometimes I think we rely too much on software, and then when you invite people in and, and they're just looking at a computer screen, um, they don't see the whole the whole picture. And plastering a wall with the comments and moving them around 
um, was and then and then just taking pictures of that and then using that as data was I I think a much more effective, much more interactive way of getting hmm. even more community input. Um, and and it's a method that I learned years ago. Uh, uh, that um, it just it, it always preempts the, the software thing to me. I think there probably are some good ways um, uh, of doing it, but um, they're much less interactive. Okay. So we did the same thing, Elaine. We used Post-it notes, and especially with our meeting in a box, all the community leaders going out and doing the 30, I think it was 37 different community uh, sub-meetings that we had, you have all of that information generated. You you definitely need a central area to collect all that data. So what the community leaders were instructed to do was immediately after a sub-meeting, a community meeting, we had Google Forms up on Google Docs where they would immediately put up the results um, from things that were written on the Post-it notes. Uh, so it was all kept in a central area. And that way it was easy to organize um, and also, you know, keep separate as well as put together to get a, a really a, a, an overall citywide response. Um, and then the other thing that we used is because all of this, these um, words and these results were put up in, into a digital platform, we were able to put, uh, plug them into word clouds, and everybody knows what word clouds, I'm sure, but it's, you know, and I noticed you have them in your resource list, it's wordle.net, and every time a word comes up, it, in, when you, you, you cut and paste all of these words into this program, and every time the word comes up, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger in the word cloud. <laughs> It's a great way to visually um, show data, show what's most important. The themes, you know, themes emerge, and it shows. It's it's not perfect, but it shows how um, people feel, um, what things are most important to them. So, um, those are the two things that we use, and they're both free. Perfect. Um, I'm sure that there are some um, software. Any any other software hints from any of you? I love this. I think it, it answers both um, Gina from Idaho, who said, can, what are inexpensive technologies tools that aid in the storytelling projects? And Post-it notes seem to be one of the most powerful tools there are. Um, but are there other tools that we are missing, either in storytelling or data collection? And really quick, too, one of the things you can do is work with the local college, um, you know, because a lot of them have software that is worth money. I worked with, I was in school, so I was able to use GIS um, to really map stories and embed some of the multimedia in at specific locations and make these really pretty, interesting, beautiful maps. So, you know, your local college, you know, is another way to, to tap in um, if you want to do graphic design with Adobe Creative Suite or if you want to do mapping with ArcGIS. Some of those programs cost money, but it's free if you have interns or students or even whole classes of students to help you um, do things. Great idea. Yeah, um, one, one other thing that, that I'd like to mention is in when you're having a, a meeting, um, I, I really like to, to use visual capture of the information coming from from the meeting, and it depends on what the circumstance is. Sometimes that might be um, a flip chart, but uh, as often though we used uh, someone at a computer uh, recording what was being said and and having that up on the screen so that as as we're having the conversation with people, they could see that their words were being captured. 
And um, that accomplished a couple of things. One, it did get it captured digitally so that we could we could do something with it later. Um, but it also, again, was that recognition that people were being listened to and that we were capturing their words. And I think it's an extremely effective um, meeting tool uh, when you have, have groups to uh, do that kind of visual capture. Great. And um, so I will move on. Brian uh, from New Mexico is kind of interested in drilling down. So you're capturing all these stories, but are you going deep enough? Um, mm-hmm. He says, I, I heard Ricardo um, Semler talk about asking why three times is a way to drill down to deep values. Has Orton tried this line of survey? What are other specific processes that lead to the underlying values? Um, in, mm-hmm. in addition to what do you cherish? Some thoughts there? A single piece of wire. Um, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, okay. I... The answer is yes, <laughs> um, and um, I, I'll give you an example. One one of the things around here, when you say to somebody, you know, what do you what do you really like about being in the North Fork Valley? And and the, a very typical answer is we love the quality of life. Mm-hmm. And and so you know, a broad answer like that, you know, you might just write it down and say, love the quality of life. Um, but it's very important to go beyond that and and to, to ask the why question. So, what is it about the quality of life? Why do you why do you really enjoy being here? And and if you do that, if you if you if you go without pushing people to a you know point where they're they're they've had too much, but um, that actually will get at the story. So you know why why do you like the quality of life? Oh, because because of the beautiful landscape. Well, tell me a time when you really enjoyed the landscape, and what were you doing, and how did you know how did that play out? And then that leads into um, a memory, a story, and and um, and gets people connected to um, their their place. And I think it's absolutely important not just to take things on absolute service uh, surface value, um, but to to drill a little down and understand why. And make a connection with some event or some some memory that people had about about that particular thing that's important to them. Terrific. So you always do try to go a little bit deeper when, especially when you have a one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another. Um, where do you archive stories? Uh, so Samantha in New York um, wonders if they're filmed or audio only, and obviously the. The answer is they're filmed, they're on audio, they're on post-it notes, <laughs> they're um, they're collected in a lot of different ways. But if filmed, okay, do you need to edit, um, upload to a site like YouTube for sharing? Who does the editing? Staff member, somebody hired? Uh, Holly, uh, with digital storytelling, um, where did you archive your stories? How was that done? They are up on YouTube. They're HeartWorks. One, they are, uh, somebody's muted. Does everybody hear that? Because I keep hearing somebody in the background. Yeah, there's, if 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 somebody that is not uh, one of our guests has some ruckus in the background, please mute yourself. But I think it's a little bit better now. Is that yeah. all right, Holly? Okay, yeah, yeah. thank you. I, I think they just didn't know it. Okay, yeah. so there is, on YouTube, there's HeartWorks 1, HeartWorks 2, HeartWorks 3, and HeartWorks 4. And those are Roman numerals. Mm-hmm. And those are from the Salt Institute for Documentary Studies, so they're polished, they're pretty, they're 
Um, and, and they'll be great, I think, as a model for people that want to do it in their own community. And then on um, learnlocal.net, which is my website, uh, and if you go to curriculum design, go to the storytelling tab under curriculum design, um, they have uh, some of the students' uh, videos are up there, and you can see they're a lot more raw and a lot more authentic in just being truly in the moment. Um, and you have a range of, of um, editing there. You know, and a lot of times this is something you find that you'll have in your community, somebody who does this type of work editing. It's actually it's more common than you think, and you could probably find somebody to come and volunteer to do that. Um, it's really inexpensive to do, and even the heart spots, that was like free. I mean, we did have to cough up a little money to get the plywood and cut it up into squares and do these um, heart spots markers on the places where we're inviting people to tell a story about. But um, getting the, actually getting, capturing, what we did is we worked through town hall, and, or city hall. <laughs> And in the city hall, the uh, IT person was able to create a voicemail box to for people to call in and leave their story and then just have that uh, voicemail actually forwarded as an MP3 file to our email. It, it, it's really easy to do, um, and it was it cost nothing. And, of course, now people can take video on their iPhones, so... Yeah, everybody, that's exactly right. And take photos. I mean, there's something to be said about all I you do to create videos, these sound slides, is PowerPoint. You just create a PowerPoint with your favorite pictures, get a lot of people in there and a lot of cool things about your place, and then put some really great music. You can embed audio. It's super easy. And if you don't know how to do it, get a high school student to teach you because it's so easy. Um, and then at the end, you get it just the way you like it with the music, put your credits up there, and at the end, when you go to save it, there's actually an option in PowerPoint to make a video. Awesome. I, I want to make sure that we, we have everybody give a last word. There are just one or two questions we didn't get to, but I think they were really answered in the in the time that we've had together. Um, I might address one or two, but I, I'd like to hear from each one of you, uh, Elise and um, Holly and Elaine, what's one thing people can do to take action or get started in using storytelling for resident engagement right away? Can we start with you, Elaine? Okay. <laughs> I mean, what, would you, you know, what would you say if next week, they, okay, we're going to do this storytelling project, what, what do they need to think about or um, okay. what's the first step? Well, I, I would I would say make a conscious effort to to really think about starting to actively listen. Um, all too often we're running around at a fast pace doing all kinds of things, and we have all of our we have our own stuff and our own ideas going on. We have our own agenda, and and to start getting yourself in the habit of really sincerely actively listening to the people that you see and interact with on a day-to-day -day basis and make them matter to you um, because every individual in the town does matter and they need to feel like that. And if you're, if you, if you're listening to them, um, they'll feel important and they will help to contribute and they'll, they'll give you so much more. Great. Great. Be true to, to them. Uh, Holly, what, what are your thoughts on that question? Oh, sure. I'd like to weigh in. I would say, too, partnerships are critical. Go out. You know the people that are the 
movers and shakers in the community, the ones that always show up to volunteer or show up to the city council meetings, you know, reach out to them and bring them in. Um, work with, if you are a nonprofit, work with your board of directors to identify some of those people. Um, put together a steering committee of, you know, bring in people from the high school and or the school system and get from different corners of, 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 the, of the area that you're um, working in. And really start there and start telling them about what you want to do with storytelling and get them telling stories. Um, once you practice on them and get them to talk about things that they love or remember about downtown, it sort of serves as the, the blueprint for going out into the community. And then and you, and you also have these minions, if you will, <laughs> or people that <laughs> maybe minions is the right word, but you have people that will go out there and and start doing storytelling with you. And but partners are critical. Partners are key, and um, building relationships with them and then outward. Okay. Thank, thank you, Holly. And um, Elise, I want to give you the last word, and if people have to leave right on the – we're just going to do one more minute, um, but take the survey at the, at the top of the document um, if you're dashing off. But um, I'd love to hear um, – there are a few announcements, and I'd love to hear, Elise, your last word. Yeah, just final thoughts. I think Elaine and um, Holly, you definitely had some great starters that I would have mentioned as well, and I guess to carry on to that – is um, mapping out what existing events uh, happen in the community so you don't have to do all the heavy lifting and think about who attends those events and think about how you can collect stories from people at those events in sort of a light touch or even more um, involved way. And no matter what way that you're collecting stories, be cognizant about how you're going to store that data or those stories that you get so you can reshare them back in some way um, in the future. Okay, so thanks, Elise, for your insights and knowledge. Thanks to Elaine Brett for inspiring stories from Colorado and Holly Andrews for your tales from Biddeford, Maine. Thanks to all three of you. Thank you very much, everybody. All right. Thank and uh, that's our call for today. Leslie has put up this link to a very brief survey at the top of the Google Doc uh, in the announcement section. So please take a moment to complete the survey and tell us about your experience on the calls today. It will help us learn how we can make this new series more useful to you. A podcast of this call and the Google Doc notes will be emailed around and posted online. We hope that you add to them. Um, if you have thoughts about any of these questions uh, that you want to add to, please do. It's really the wisdom of the crowd um, here on the Google Doc. We hope you join us again for our next Orton Family Foundation event, August 13th, when we offer a call on public engagement methods used with the community heart and soul approach. Thank you all for participating. We hope you walk away with inspiration to use storytelling for engagement in your town. For all of us at the Orton Family Foundation, I'm Fran Stoddard. Hope to see you next time.